episode of the Muddy Boot. If you're joining us for this fourth hour of broadcast, we welcome you. Especially you guys, Lithuania. Anyway, my name is Gerald McKnight. We are here at Kablarg Live Action Studios, uh, recording another installment of the Muddy Boot, and I want to let you guys know, we are the country's very first, that's right, we are the country's very first all-action news and call-in show, completely non-funded by globalist super PACs. That's right, everyone else, you can't trust them. Where's the money come from? We don't know. Where's the money come from for us? Well, if we had to tell you, we'd be lying. Uh, today, my guest, uh, helping me, um, bring this fourth hour of broadcasting in, is the one and only Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur, welcome back to the show. Hey, yeah. Thank you for having me again. My name is Arthur Pennywhistle. You may refer to me as Arthur Pennywhistle. As it is the most song-like poetic way to refer to me as Arthur Pennywhistle. Correct, Arthur. You will refer to me thus. Yes, Arthur Pennywhistle. Um, it does come across as quite a sing-songy name, if I must say so myself. It reminds me of a good old English breakfast, you know. Your voice reminds me of a young lass I dated in the five arts. I've been, I've been quite told, yes. I've been quite told that uh, I happen to have that of a young maiden, the voice of one. It is, it is like silk to my ears. My name is Arthur Pennywhistle, and I'm here to talk about earth sciences with my very good friend, Chad McKnight. Yes, yes, um, the earth sciences will come. You know, as, uh, as this upstanding production team that we have, uh, I would, it would behoove us to, uh, break into the past a little bit and let those know, um, about 34 episodes ago, uh, our beloved hosts, Chet uh, Bilkington, if I, that was his name, Chet hey. Bilkington and Thaddeus Razor uh, discovered tr the most troubling news about a Sheridan Louise DeWitt. Uh, she had been running, it seems, from the governments, and I would have to say we lost our host there as well. Sheridan is a, is a distant family member of mine, who's be, both being descendants of the on retribe of the British Isles. So I'm very familiar with the frailty of Sheridan Louise Dwitts and her ego that will drive her him to the edge of the earth science envelope to explore different worlds beyond Earth to find their sciences too. Yes. Arthur Penny Whistle. Yes, well, um, after we had discovered her, her cryptic messages that came across the, the last episode, um, you know, uh, our, our team, our team of researchers, uh, fed Chet and Thaddeus some, some information that, uh, led them to the last GPS coordinates that Sheridan's phone, uh, had even given off. And that was somewhere in the middle of the Nevada desert, right? Are, are you implying there's been night shed upon the whereabouts of these two individuals? Well, here's what we know. Here's what we know, Arthur Pennywhistle. Uh, the last known location, uh, ping off of Sheridan Louise DeWitt's cell phone. Ping. Was right. Ping. Was right in the middle of the Nevada desert. Uh. I've been to Nevada. Yes, we've all been to Nevada. <laughs> that drive from Vegas to <laughs> Reno, oh, I tell you. Ha, ha, ha. I once found a man's skull in the desert of Nevada. That's a story for another time. Oh, well, yes. What is the secret code that Sheridan Louise to it bestowed upon the world? Five, five, five. Five, 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 five. Profound, deep, yes. well, and with great meaning, Sheridan Louise to it has brought this code to us. We must figure it out. Arthur Penny Whistle. McKnight. It was... We must team together to find the bottom. It... Find the bottom of this Arthur Penny Whistle, Mr. McKnight. Well, I will tell you 
the funniest part about being at the bottom is, when we were in the caverns of the Great Nevada Desert, looking for the last known location of Sheridan Louise Duet's cell phone, that is when we also discovered Chet and Thaddeus's cell phones there, too. Were they Motorola phones? They were razors. Ah, I prefer the Motorola after Penny Whistle. One would prefer one, wouldn't they? Deep in the caverns of Nevada, you say? After Penny Whistle has been there. I've been to the bottom of most caverns in this godforsaken country. Uh, I, I've heard from, from your tales and your books that, um... I've sailed many a sea. Um, the Devil's Cavern seems to be the one that gave you the most trouble, correct? It is full of blood. Oh. Not just water, but blood. Many caverns. Does that require special equipment? Yes, and much bravery. But blood scuba equipment is very, very expensive. Um... Even on the British Isles from which I come, which is also on a sea of blood. So I am nearly qualified to swim in the caverns of blood. One would say, uh, as they do, that all oceans are fraught with blood. They're all, blood in has way, all been yes, spilt yes. for the seas to have been conquered, for land to have been domesticated and animals to have been plagiarized. We know... Yes, yes. The seas... That is a wonderful tale. The seas have, have bled red before. Yes, yes, yes. Arthur Penny Whistle has seen many a sea turn to, to sheer blood. Sheer blood. Arthur Penny Whistle. Arthur Penny Whistle. Uh, you have been uh, a long, a long dictated scholar of the earth sciences and, and the such. I wrote my first book in 1893. I wrote my second book in 1994, and they both are the best books on Earth science ever created. Yes, and our... Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. Our illustrious uh, followers and listeners of all of our products, uh, they knew you would be here tonight, and so we opened up the phone lines. And uh, we, uh, we, would, we, we told them that we would be taking callers, and the people... Uh, would come and ask you, the man of the profound wisdom. Arthur Penny Whistle is always more than gracious to talk to a fan, or an admirer, or a lady with large chests. May we take the caller now, or shall we finish the story of Sheridan Louise Duet and the code in the bottom of the blood cave? I think if it needs to come back to it, we will. This uh, this first caller says that they may have information on what happens in Nevada. Perhaps he has a clue that we have not thought of before. Uh, caller from Connecticut. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you? And uh, who are you? Connecticut. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my name is uh, Victor Doyle. Oh, welcome to the show, Victor Doyle. Mr. Doyle. Mr. Doyle, how are you? I'm Arthur Penny, Oh, well, hi. Nice to meet you guys. Um, well, yeah, I got a question here about some earth sciences. What is your query? What uh, is your uh, query? Vincent, uh, before, could I just get a little bit of information about you so that we can, uh, know, know who we're talking with, whether you have any credible, uh, properties that would help with the, the call? What are your credentials? I prefer to call them properties, but you can call them credentials if you want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name is uh, Victor Doyle. I'm, uh, almost 40 years old now. Um, I didn't always, I wasn't always from Connecticut. Um, I, I kind of grew up more in the south. Um, kind of went from town to town there. So my dad was an army man, and so I kind of got lugged around. Kind of lived out of a suitcase. What kind of suitcase did you live out of, Vincent? Well, it was a... Was it a Samsonite? Um, no, man. I can't give you the brand name offhand, but, uh, it it was, uh, brown and kind of dusty, and, uh... Arthur Pennywhistle only travels with Samsonite. Arthur Pennywhistle. Well, since then, I do value a good bag, but, yeah, then I was just trying to get by, um... But damn, I told you enough about me, man. I feel like we're family now. 
Uh, my friends, my friends call me VD. You guys are more than welcome to call me VD if you prefer. Mr. Doyle. Yes, sir. Welcome to the program. Yeah, so, uh, well, yeah, I started off, uh, my dad was in the army and I didn't want to do that whatsoever. Um, so I started organizing, um, the books in the library. I couldn't necessarily read them. But I got down the alphabet good enough that I could put the books away. Um, so yeah, I did that for about, mm, God, 14 years. And then, um, basically I graduated, um, to doing, uh, janitorial services there. What is your question for us, Vincent? Yeah, um, so I got a question about, actually, some of the cleanings that I'm doing here. Do you guys think that it might value the earth if I was to grab the particulate matter from the people's shoes that they drag in and put it back outside? Um, do you think that maybe the, the earth is getting deteriorated through the drains? Um, I think that pieces of the earth are actually disappearing when I'm putting the stuff down the hole because I don't ever see it again. And where the fuck is it going? So, um, I'm just hoping you guys could maybe clear that up for me. And, uh, yeah, maybe put this here, janitor's mind at ease. Well, oh, wow, that is such a wonderful call to start this off with. Um, you know, before I turn it over to the, to the preponderances of the genius that is off the penny whistle to my left, I would just like to, uh, point out first that, um, are, are you, are you telling us that, uh, at, in your janitorial services, that you take all of the dirt, the dirt uh, that comes outside from outside inside, and you take it and just and, and just put it down a hole. More or less, as I do the cleaning, my direct supervisor told me that there, when I sweep and when I get the dirt and dust, hair, just. More or less, earth matter, it's going in the holes, and it's not coming back. So, I'm worried about it, I guess. I don't know. Off a penny whistle, what say you? You are concerned. I, kn I, know it's, I know it's dirty. I know it's dirty, but does it have to go away? I mean, I grew up dirty, mi mi you know? Mr. Doyle, sir, are you, are you saying that you feel you're responsible for the deterioration of the earth due to your... Duties of removing the bottoms of shoes. Well. And not returning mm. them to the earth. I understand this. This actually takes me back to a book that was written by my associate in 1925 called uh, Shoe Dirt and What We Could Do About It. His name was Not Arthur Pennywhistle, unfortunately. <laughs> Which I had written the book too because it was a genius metaphor for not... Murdering the earth around you and, and respecting earth scientists. Now, my boy, Mr. Doyle, uh, would you say you're a religious man? Mmm, well, I don't know, man. I mean, I drink a lot and I, I mean, I think about spirituality, but I wouldn't necessarily say that, um, I don't know, I don't follow no book, you know what I mean? Who does? <laughs> Arthur Pettyus follows nobody. Arthur Pettyus knows what you, what you mean. I've had a brandy or two before myself <laughs> in the wilds of Africa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Arthur Pettyus will elaborate on, on the book written by his colleague uh, back in, in 1925 entitled Shoe Dirt. And it explores the metaphor between earth and murder and, and, and cleanliness and, and his cleaning Murder in the face of saving the earth through sciences. We figure. Yes. Yes, yes. Vincent, I have a question for you. I have, uh, I've been around a lot of shows, and I've seen a lot of things. Could you say in your uh, expertise of, you know, facility cleanliness that you maintain, would you say you notice a marked degradation in the immediate surroundings of your premises? Are you noticing the degradation of your lands, or are you just hypothesizing that the dirt comes from somewhere 
Well. And it has to go somewhere. All I'm saying, man, there's a lot of rain around here now. And so I see these footprints all over the damn dirts from the outside. I mean, it's minuscule and microly, but as it's coming in and out. My wet dirt. As it's coming in and out. Footprints. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, and you asked me, you asked me if I was responsible for the deterioration and stuff, and goddamn it, morally, that kind of doesn't sit right with me. Um, I think I would say maybe my boss told me to do it, so, I don't know, maybe, maybe we What kind of shoes do these people wear that track in so much dirt? Are they, are they wearing hiking boots? Are they penny loafers? I'm sure that, I'm sure they're British knights. Yes. British Knights are also my favorite shoe. These, uh... Go on, go on. These, we, we, uh, we like our boots. I get excited about British Knights. Mmm. We like our boots, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, there is that guy that wears the sneakers. I don't trust him at all, but, mmm. Have you ever thought to follow him home after he left the bathroom? Um. Sorry, the lavatory. Yeah, I usually kind of follow everybody in and out of the bathrooms, though. Um, you know. I yes, don't know. yeah, yeah. The lavatory is a perfect spot to catch people unawares and follow them home. I have found this old habits. in my many years of literary experience. Yes. Go on, Mr. Doyle. Yeah, so, man, I notice it's not just off of the shoes. I mean, I think about the trash sometimes. I mean, I even think about my own feces sometimes. I mean, you know, I feel like a lot of it just is going down. Not a lot of it's coming back up. It's just, it just doesn't seem right. Maybe, maybe there's something out there that I don't know about and, you know, things are... Well, let me, let me lead you in on a, on a, on a small hypothesis that uh, has been floating around the the sciences for quite a while and uh you know author author, author here um mr penny whistle i'm sure that you could uh yes. help elaborate yes, on yes. my my insufficient knowledge of the source really but uh mr vincent doyle have you ever been told that the earth is hollow um i've kind of dabbled in some theories about different you know things like that but do I think that the Earth is like a fucking Easter bunny? Um, you know, just kind of hollow on the inside and a big giant disappointment? Um, psh, no. But, I mean, who who am I? I mean, I'm just... I would like to propose that it is. Oh, sorry, sir. Yeah? The hollow Earth theory has been posited very much recently, but, uh, you know, very, very little credibility outside of a few cranks... But, uh, the Craig, as a representative of that Craig community, I must say that I do, I do prescribe very deeply by the Hollow Earth theory, and the, that it, yes, in fact, may be a rather thick, a rather thick-walled, uh, Easter Bunny. The chocolate made, of course, of well, magma. now that you say that, I guess it is around Easter time, so maybe times are changing. And, uh, I need to get with the program here, cause... Vincent, let me ask you a question. What news channels do you watch? Oh, fuck, man. God, I mean, my mama tells me most of the information I'm under- I'm understanding now. I mean, she's never steered me- ste steered me no wrongs here. You- you've seen the videos on the YouTube about the- the politicians with the slits in their eyes? You've- you've seen those videos floating around? Yeah, actually. Um, god dang, I think my neighbor's actually something like that. Those are called reptilians. Oh man, okay. Alright, alright, I follow, I follow ya. A reptilian washed my Rolls Royce once. Just washed it clean. It is very good at his job. I don't know what all the fuss is about. He seemed very efficient. He had multiple ways of opening his eyes and looking about. So, the, the car was very, very clean. They can see in the ultraviolet spectrum, so you mean they're picking up waves of light far beyond the measurable capabilities of even human eyeballs. That's why they can see the particulate. I mean, they, they know how to differentiate the weight and the pressure of the immense force that they can put down with their reptile hands to not peel off the top layer of wax on your Rolls Royce, but only the dirt, sir. 
Precisely. They work on the hubcaps in spectacular. The only problem was that after 15 minutes under the carport, it started to get sluggish and had to lay out in the sun for 25 minutes, which was an inefficiency at the end of the day. But their job was very fantastic, and it gave me time to wank one off in my Rolls Royce, if you know what I mean. <laughs> As one would. <laughs> Mr. Doyle. Yep, yep. May I ask you a question? But of course. Are you a married man? Yes, I am. Are you married to a human being? Currently. I'm, I'm trying to see what your gauge of reptilian existence is. So, now that you mention it, I did see some kind of funny looking people laying out in the sun just the other day off of the highway. And I think that they might have been them reptilian folk you were talking about. Because the way that they were kind of slugging and slamming and moving about after that, you know, was kind of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody laying on the sun in the on the beach in the sun is suspected being a reptilian. Well, we as a human species, we have a long, long record of of the the the, the recordings of these people just laying about. They've had names throughout all types of history. I mean, some people have called them trash. Some people have called them lazy or bum. Some people even called them Germans. We don't know. Why they have been given the names, but we know why they lay. See, the reptilians evolved at the same time as we did on the underside of the crust of the earth. It is through Mike. Within the hollow earth, yes, yes, yes. Arthur Petty Wissomosis. Goddamn, man. You gotta be shitting me. It is without sunlight. It is without sunlight that they had to learn to survive. So it was the intense heat of magma that. That powered them. It gave them the energy to reproduce and molecularize food sources that come down our pipes. See, everything that you dump, sir, down your hole that your boss commanded you to is the food source for the new modern reptilians coming up through microfishes. <laughs> that is what we know about here. Well, that just seems like a one-way street, because, like, what the hell are them reptilian folks giving me? I tell you what, because I'm like, goddamn, all I need is a couple monsters and a freaking McChicken, and I'm good to go. You don't work all week at the Cinnabons just to be taken advantage of by some pale reptilian from the center of the hollow earth. I completely understand your sentiment, Mr. Doyle. Mr. Like Doyle, mm-hmm. have you ever borrowed your neighbor's weed whacker? N- well... Yeah, okay. I yeah. I don't know where you're going with this, but okay, yeah, that's happened. It's a significant psychological test. Okay, yes. Yeah. I would I, I would I would be willing to bet you, sir, mm-hmm. uh, from what you have said that you noticed about the weirdings going around with your neighbor, that he is in fact a reptilian. And he knows that you have fed his species with your trash putting downs. He loaned you that weed whacker in recompense. Hmm. Goddamn. He, you ask you ask what they've given you back? I argue question. everything. I argue trimmed hedges. Hmm. Man. Goddamn, to be doing that in secret is kind of uh, deceptive, but man, I do like a good, nice trimmed hedge. Well, we are all fans of 007. Oh, man. Bringing me back. Oh, yes, yes, yes. My favorite 007 picture is uh, A Time to Touch Oneself, which is an unreleased title from 1971 during the experimental phase of the franchise. Am I descending into some sort of farce? I'd like to regale you with a tale, but uh, perhaps another time. Shall we pivot? Please, please, yes. Let's pivot back to where the, where the dirt... Uh... Massive planet degradation. I think that's where this needs to end up. So can we, if we were to suppose, one would made prop say, that the Earth were not finite, but in fact, infinite? Like that circle inside of it and outside just kind of like go back and forth, so it kind of makes this like doubly like loop inside of itself to make some sort of infinite like you give me, I give you, hey, kind of thing. 
I knew when you called in, Vincent, that you were smarter than you put on, sir. You must have studied. It's organizing them books. I tell you what, it's organizing them books, man, ever since I lived down. I still think about it, man. Perhaps your tenure in the, in the librarian profession has given you special powers. Yeah, you have an amazing intellect, Mr. Doyle. Perhaps you should join us again sometime. Mr. Doyle, have, have you ever been to Nevada? Mm. Nevada, come on down. It's been a long time, man. The cabins are full of blood. Yeah, it's it, it been a while. I think I visited once or twice there uh, when in my youth. When my dad was doing his army exercises, I think he went down there. Um, Into yeah, the middle he, of the Nevada desert, you may say. Mm, yeah. Yep, I remember. Uh, Goddamn, I remember me freaking sweating and chafing and just being a hot mess out there for a couple weeks. Did you see any, any lizards? Oh man, I saw all types of lizards out there. Um, gosh dang, I remember. You may be around bunkers. Um, well, you could say I was kind of maybe living in one, really. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was kind of a dark time in my life, but yeah, uh, every once in a while they let me outside. Ah, uh, Mr. Mr. Vincent, um, I, may I propose a solution to your, your mysteries about your childhood? Okay, tell me something I don't know, sir. Arthur Pennywhistle. Yes, I'm Arthur Pennywhistle. Is what he's describing concurrent with your beliefs about Area 51? Area 51 is, is a tremendous place I've been there. Uh, many alien bodies, uh, strewn about, um, used for different purposes. Um, I was fortunate enough to dine upon one of them. Um, we took the more whole corpse of one and took it to the office and had a jolly with it and, uh, you know, you know, splash about its face or whatever, what have you, and, uh, uh we had a good time. Uh, Area 51 is very... Very scientific place too, though. We don't just have a good time. Um, I've been there many times. Um, Does the stories Vincent's telling us sound like maybe he was there as a kid with his father? Yes, fairly accurate. Yes, yes, yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a liar at all. No. What say you, Vincent, with this? Well, could that be something that you maybe remember in your past? Um. My dad, he always was kind of a, well, he was a quiet man, but I feel like he just kind of naturally just had some issues. Um, I know his dad just wasn't good to him, and I know his mom left, um, went for a pack of smokes and goodbye. The military often chooses abandoned and vulnerable people to, to use in the alien program because you have to get used to torturing and murdering aliens and, uh, you know, perhaps uh, he, he might find that fun as a way to kind of, you know, get uh, retroactive revenge on his father for, you know, I'm Arthur Pennywhistle, all right? So my daddy, he'd, uh, he would keep these little things in jars, um, and he'd talk to them, and that was kind of his, like, way of getting by and his friends. Um, I don't, it was like some, you know, just a... It looked like a little piece of jelly inside of a jar, um, and he had a lot of them, and I felt like maybe that was his way of just getting through, um, but it was like each jar kind of had this emotion, and he'd, if he was feeling a certain way, he'd have that jar a little closer to him, um, and so basically when I was let out, I would be able to kind of come see him in kind of his working area, um, but... I don't know, I never saw me like an alien, but I also don't really know what to look for, I'd say. Um, yeah, they didn't have no books on aliens, so. At least not ones that you can read, you know what I'm saying? I guess, yes, you're probably right about that. Um, it's a very respectful response, Mr. McKnight. I, I, I applaud your history and broadcast and uh, bring your... Yeah, a positive fervor to the discussion here with Mr. Doyle. He's a very profound man, and, uh... I'm the broadcaster. 
Indeed, indeed, indeed. I am the scientist man who's going to tell you that, uh, Mr. Doyle, I must, I must say, I think you perhaps might actually be part alien in the way your intellect is, is it's stratospherically uh, superior to most I've, I've seen or heard. Now, can I ask you some, another question? Do you, what neighborhood do you live in? Um, I live kind of, uh, well, for Connecticut, I'd say it's kind of, uh, kind of like, it's mostly a mid-riff kind of traveling situation currently. Um, but I did have a sweet little chunk of land for a minute there. Um, yes, yes, Connecticut, I've been there once. It's, mm-hmm. it's a rather dreary place, but, uh, but also... Yeah, really when I, uh, Have you always found it? Have you always felt like it was just hard for you to find one location to nail yourself down at? Oh man, I yeah, I've always kind of been a rambling man. Uh, just really, um, I don't know, internally, I just feel like maybe I'm just not quite at home, or maybe just, maybe I, I always kind of, I try things, I'm, I'm a busy guy, and so when things fall through, I kind of just throw it all away and move on. I just, I'm good at just cutting ties and leaving um maybe it's just because my childhood maybe it's just because i'm a freaking lone wolf i don't mr. know mr arthur pennywhistle if he had spent arthur pennywhistle if inside of those jaws if i'm not mistaken uh if i'm not mistaken inside of those jaws if if one were to suppose that it had been hypertensive tectonic fluid inside of inside of those jaws, and he had been exposed to them in such high amounts that his father had kept forever. Being that's basically alien spinal fluid, would you think that he may be influenced by the the fields that, that their cells generate on a day-to-day basis? That, you know, why, why so many go crazy in Area 51, purportedly? Perhaps the psychokinetic abilities of somebody can be measured in alien in alien brain fluids or spinal fluids or even in shakular fluids, but I think really you want to kind of measure somebody by uh, the length of the stems that produce the fluids. Uh, so if you want to get to the bottom of where the jars come from and what the psychokinesis uh, process is of extracting them into the biosphere and away from the magmatic deposits found mysteriously beneath the hollow earth and that make up the pressure fields that kind of illuminate everything for everybody in the universe because, you know, as we, as we well know, our planet is a, is a beacon for the alien races across the universe and they've come here for generations to seek our psychokinesis fluids and the fact that there's jars sitting around doing things that we don't even know about and that we can't even explain from our point of view proves that aliens are pretty much only inside the hollow earth well you all got me scared i'm over here shaking in my damn boots now because like i went through a rough period where i just go to them damn jars and i just freaking chug about half of it like a v8 and i just you know i'd feel good as fit oh that's fascinating and I'd just fill it back up. I'd fill it back up with water. Um, and, and my dad never knew no difference. This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. He may be the first documented case of a human ever ingesting the psychotoxic fluid. Well, y'all got me scared, too, because, like, if I'm drinking that freaking crazy whatever fluid, and then I'm pooping it out and potentially giving it to the reptilians... The reptilians do wait in the sewer to feast on human stool. Goddamn, I deserve a little more than a weed whacker, don't you think? That seems positively fair to me. I mean, like, I don't want to... I don't want to help them out, you know, but I also... I also don't want to get taken advantage of. I mean, I've been, I was doing that since I was a wee boy, and now I've been pooping in the hole ever since I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you must defend your pooping hole, my friend. Oh, I would have to hypothesize, Mr. Vincent Doyle, that uh, with the amount of tetalexid fluid that you have ingested, pooped into holes, that could be the single induction point 
for the studies of why reptilians have psychokinetic powers, why they purportedly can read the minds of other humans, why they can purportedly move objects, tell the future even. We don't know what, what they're capable of fully, but we know they have them. You could be patient zero as the introduction point I... to why they have infiltrated every government body across the country, across the world. The elites are reptilians. They know the answers. They trade on the stock markets with, with whims and, and the breeze of a thousand ships sailed to the past to collect small samples of golden ore from remote islands that one day will tell us the microfissures exist. That's how we know. Damn, man. I mean, just to think how valuable my poop is is incredible but also so scary like i gotta maybe keep it in jars or maybe just store it in my room or um i don't want to be well sir if, if you do decide to keep them you will in fact create the psychokinesis uh fluids that you desire as i feel like it creates a cyclical uh system that once you've ingested it it's more like lubricating the spiritual fluids uh, within your endocrinologist system and through your brain and all these things Damn. that make you more susceptible. It's like you're a motor for the alien fluids now. I got a responsibility. Your feces, if ingested, will recreate the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... It's like putting jet fuel in your engine. I got you bring us to one short break. We must go to commercial. We'll be right back after this. Hello, I'm Edgar P. McSquishy Double, best known for my studies in highfalutin and virtual expeditions in cryptic ghost files. I'd like to thank all of our Journey Through Time and Stuff listeners, for it was them who gave me my online fame. We couldn't do it without our old-timers that have been listening since the beginning. I'm here to share a new exciting show under the A Journey Through Time and Stuff broadcasting umbrella. It's called The Muddy Boot. The Muddy Boot represents a real man's man type attitude. A show that's not afraid to ask life's big questions like When you hear the word stool, do you think of a taller chair or poop? If a cricket loses a leg, is he a mute? What will help prevent the avalanches from the hibernating bear's ample flatulence? The Muddy Boot also shares groundbreaking news articles, like the latest information regarding the new wax-on, wax-off system upgrades with middle intervals and more. The Muddy Boot is also a go-to financial resource with critical information regarding the face mask prices increasing due to people forgetting how ugly we all are. It's safe to say the Muddy Boot is a solid foundation for any family to grow with and real staple for people that enjoy breathing and having safe available drinking water. This is Edgar P for the Muddy Boot and a Journey Through Time and Stuff podcast. Keep it loud. And we're back. Thank you for being back for commercial. We have Vincent on the line with a very engaging conversation. Um, we know that you, uh, you had one other question to ask us. You asked us about the dirt in the hole. I think we covered that quite profoundly. Uh, what was your other question that you had for us today, Vincent? Yeah. Well, there was a small time, there was a, there was a time in my life that I was working for the poison control hotline. Um, and I got a call from a guy. Um, and he was telling me that he had this mild itch, um, from a hole in the ground. He said he was camping, and basically he forgot his camping chair. So by the fire, he was just sitting there roasting a marshmallow. There was a little hole in the ground. And he said that he had the worst rash he had ever seen. It wouldn't stop itching. He tried the Benadryls. He tried other ailments. Nothing. Modern science did nothing for him. He's still itching to this day. It's been three months. He actually got a little, like, dry patch and some blood. Is there anything you know, any kind of plant 
like I could rub on it or something. I don't know. I I tried sucking the pus out of his butt. I mean, I'm just a brother like that. He's a good guy. Um, but yeah. Anyway, as Arthur Penny Whistle, as the 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 featured World Earth Sciences professional and uh, accred- accredited scientist, but also the the undergraduate to the lead professor at Harvard for fecal studies. Um, and itches. Would you say? I really know my shit. <laughs> yes, I have a doctorate, actually in fetal studies at Harvard. I spent sixteen years studying samples of the the fe- the feast, as we call it in the industry. Well, I, I respect that. A, a, a fecal examination. I respect that as a man. Respect. As a man who scrubs. I appreciate you. Yeah, you. You sound like a good guy. Mr. Doyle, Mr. Doyle, you're a very, very gracious person. Right? Thank you for your time and sharing your candles. Uh, Arthur Penny Whistle, you know what I mean? We Arthur Penny Whistle. I get you. So anyway, this plant uh, that might heal you growing from the earth, the itching that's probably shooting out of the earth, which your friend suffers from. Initially, correct. You're saying something came out of the earth and now his butt is passed out and, and, and he itches, itch, itch, itch. Yes? Yeah. Right. See, these these do happen very often, actually. They're, they're, they're not very well documented, though, because they are indeed uh, messages of vibrations from the hollow earth coming from our actual extraterrestrial friends within the whole world. See, it's all documented in a book written in 1985 by my friend Samuel Lacroix-Crossley. He's from France, but he's actually, yeah, he lives in Pittsburgh. It's very nice. We go swimming in the river when he's there. He never wears clothing, though. I can't get him to even wear shorts. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable. But anyway, his book details how the, the native extraterrestrials to whole earth now they are natives, they have been there for eons, eons, as he called them, in the hollow earth. So you see, this is the source of your friend's uncomfortable itch, sound waves traveling up. Mr. Doyle, Mr. Doyle, would you also, uh, did you ask your friend or happen to inquire as to whether any noises were accompanied the instance of the itch while he was roasting his marshmallow on the ground camping? Do you know if he if he heard anything that could be accompanied with his itch instantiation? I tell you what, man. So, I actually, I was in the truck. I was trying to find more hot dog buns. I was still hungry. I had a lot of beers that day, and I needed some fucking hot dogs and some good old breadings to fill me up so I wasn't all stumbling drunk by freaking 10 p.m. and have no fun. So, my buddy, who we're talking about, his name's Paul. Good old Paul, sitting by the fire, roasting his damn marshmallows. Um, I couldn't hear no noises, but he did say that there was this high-pitched thing. He thought it was a squirrel rambling in damn bushes, but... It was the aliens, but within the earth, my boy. Actually, no, not a squirrel. He said it was more like a raccoon, actually. Earth noises. Um, Damn, I feel like that's just maybe some vital information. It could have well been a raccoon as well. I think both could be the case, but it's it seems patently obvious that we're dealing with alien sounds from within the earth. I've seen this happen to a friend of mine who was camping in the in the Shoco Canyon area of New Mexico and Colorado, the area between uh, you know where the Anisarte lived and uh, deep in the he had the same thing happen to him. And they, they were ones, they were known to commune with the aliens and the reptilians from within the earth. The pale, pale reptilians and the aliens would, would team up and, and, and communicate with the Anasazi during their human sacrifices. That makes a lot of sense, too, because I freaking went there one time and I found some damn good hot sauce. And I don't know how the fuck they made it. But it was good. Better than anything I ever had. It makes sense they had some alien brains working on that hot sauce. The cuisine is fantastic wherever the reptilians have, have, have taken root. The, the, the cuisine is fantastic. So, Arthur Pennywhistle, as you're, as you're starting to, to illustrate... 
Arthur Pennywhistle. If you start Arthur Pennywhistle, I just like to illustrate for all of us. Um, this is more of a, a sonic disruption of alien technology from underneath of the ground, uh, causing hey. micro stress fractures in the fluid sacs in the viscous part of the derm. As, as I would say, in your friend's a posterior. Um, Th this is a very elementary explanation. I'm old, the broadcaster. A very, a very simple explanation. Yes, perhaps you should, uh, you know, re-examine the depth of your involvement with the scientific aspect. I don't know if you quite grasp it, but, uh... What you say, though, with the, with the, just a layman putting, uh, putting this together here, um... If he has, uh, uh, what's the, the, the kinesis, the kinesis poop, and this is a sound disruption to the posterior of his friend, would his poop suffice, suffice as the plant remedy for the itch? Yes, if he rubbed the, the infected alien poop onto the wound, it would therefore clear another cycle within the, the new body from the source of the wound, from the subsonic Sounds coming from the, from the hollow earth and the aliens that produce it. You guys are giving me out. You see, the psychokinesis fluid is, is, is traveling between two people now. It is actually, can be a sexually transmitted disease. And uh, my doctor has informed me that I have, I have, I, I indeed do have it as well. Arthur Pennywis. It'd take me forever to find where to put that book, man. If I was organizing it, I'd look at those letters. Damn, I'd never get it there. I'd probably have to ask a supervisor. It's, it's not widely available. It's been banned in many countries. But I follow you. Many, many countries. I hear you. I think... I don't know, man. I think I need to get my buddy Paul and maybe just give him a little piece of my poop and maybe just kind of spread it on his butt and just see what happens. Uh, the more the better, I think. The more, the quicker you get the process going. I would bring an entire bucket. Yep, I'm going to save up for a couple of days. I'm going to eat some bad taco sauce, maybe, or to get the, get the house sauce. Bring, bring the honest saucy hot sauce and lay it on your Taco Bell mm. seven-layer burrito. Which is my favorite burrito from Taco Bell. How about you? Yeah, I like them. Yes, they're very good. They're very... How about you, Mr. McKnight? Well, uh, you know, one one wouldn't be able to tell by the by the boldness and the, the fullness of my voice that I am actually allergic to all types of spicy hot things. I can't, uh, you know, I, I can't even, oh my gosh, the last time I had ketchup, it put me in the hospital with third degree burns on my tongue for a week and a half. It was just, it was a, a tremendous occasion. It was my grandmother's 40th birthday, and, uh, you know, it it may seem... Your grandmother's 40th birthday? I don't understand uh, this. If one were to be truly counting, she would have actually been 120. But see, she was born on a leap year, and it just so happens that every four years is one of her true birthdays. So she turned 40 oh, yes, yes. on her 120th year alive. Um, That's incredible. I guess what I'm getting at, sirs, can I... May I, may I presume to call your mother? Uh, oh... Can I have a phone number? It was the Anasazi hot sauce that uh, did her in. Oh, 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 oh. Good sir, it was that, it was that 120th birthday that I, I decided, uh, not being a hot sauce man myself, but oh, my grandmother, oh, she could put away all of the hot, she could just guzzle it right up, it was just unaffected her palate, the, the more the merrier she called it, and I just... I figured that I would give her something grand, and then you had told me about the Anasazi hot sauce. I'd heard about it. I'd been in the record books for decades, and I thought, why not just give it to her for her grandest occasion of a 120th journey around the sun, and it killed her. Ketchup did me in, but not as bad as her. Uh, I, I, I... Thanks for bringing it up. God damn, man. Arthur Penny Whistle. Oh, man. I apologize for asking for your dead mother's number. I, I apologize for that. This is inappropriate. Know, There's uh, nothing good to uh, say, really. Um, mm. Arthur Perry is, is man enough to know when he's wrong. And he's wrong to, to, to ask for a man's dead mother's number. And then to continually bring it up is, is in poor taste as well.
Yep. But shall we drop it then, eh? I think that we are all good friends here. We have learned so much from Vincent. He will be, uh, I'm sure we'll be in contact with him later. Um, getting him maybe back to the deserts of Nevada to help us in explorations and looking for Motorola devices that are lost in the canyons. The canyons and blood. Would you be up for that, Vincent? Would you be, uh, willing to send us your email and we could be in contact with you? It sounds fascinating, gentlemen. Um, yeah, my mom's perfectly healthy. I think, uh, joining you guys, I think joining you guys for the show, um, would be awesome. And, uh, I look forward to exploring some Motorola phones, um, and looking for erasers or... God damn, give me a Nokia brick. <laughs> I don't care. I've used Nokia's a fantastic phone. I kind of found them all. Fantastic. I've, yeah, there we go. So let's uh, let's go discover some some old uh, findings here, and I'll uh, try to give you the best insight as I as I can as a man who uh, might be feeding the reptilian race on accident through my poop, but um, I got a lot to give. So here I am. At this point, the reptilians are very, they're very crucial to the survival of the Earth, as without their support, uh, uh, the gravitation pull would pull them away by the aliens, uh, basically at war with one another. But we should expand upon this and another time, Mr. Doyle. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you again. And oh, as as we are coming to wrap to a close, I would just like to say from everybody here at Kablog Live Action Studios and News, we are an affiliate of the the supreme goodness of the flatness of the planet. And we are supported by you, the listeners out there, not the reptiles. Uh, for myself, for Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. Arthur Pennywhistle. We are the Muddy Boot. The Muddy Boot.